Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It is Friday, the 3rd of July. We're now officially in the second half of 2020, and this is podcast number 24. Um, delighted to be joined this morning by David Harrison, by Mark Henderson, and by Peter Bulls. And gentlemen, what I think I'd like to talk about this week is uh, Brexit, um, which it seems like a long time ago since we spent a podcast talking about Brexit, probably we run back to say some of our first ever podcasts. It was all about, we were into January, into the optimism um, of, of really getting Brexit done, to, to use a, a much parked now political scene. I think that was two or three different political scenes ago now. But um, so here we are. But I think before we get into that detail and before we um, tell our audience what's happening with Brexit and also share some of our thoughts about what maybe the next six months or so can look like. I thought, Mark, if we just keep our normal um, agenda and if you could give us all a bit of an update about what's happening in the markets around the world right now, please. Sure, Dan. It's a good time to talk because this week we've seen some, you know, signs of global reopening of economies, the usual mixed bag of political news, but all in all, uh, a decent week for equity markets, which have fed their way through into the, the portfolios. So if I take the, the week each day, uh, starting with Monday, good good place to start. We saw some good data coming out of the US. The ha- uh, housing market was recovering. Jay Powell, who's uh, chairman of the Fed, said that they're seeing a resumption of activity. Businesses were opening their doors and hiring and it ended in an important new phase uh, sooner than expected. Uh, their arch enemy, the Chinese, industrial production was increasing, including exports. And again, politics came into, into the, the play on Monday with the, the new security laws in Hong, Hong Kong and the US su- suspending some of the trade benefits there. So good data news. Politically, not quite so good. Tuesday, um, we move across into Europe with Germany taking over the EU presidency for the next six months, celebrated with strong retail figures out of Germany and a desire to support the EU uh, 750 billion support package. So that that was quite interesting. And we also saw the end of the quarter with equity markets up. Um, Global equities on the quarter were up 18%, UK up 9.5%. Um, so, again, these things feed their way through into the portfolios. Wednesday, U.S. markets continue to rise on the back of manufacturing data. And there's talk of a, um, further vaccine hopes from the likes of Pfizer and uh, in, the, in the German market. Echoing the, the thoughts of um, Jay Powell, Andy Holding, who's UK um, who's chief economist for the Bank of England, said the UK economy was in a better position than they had expected, and it's on track for a V-shaped recovery. Um, The recovery, though, is coming sooner and faster than they may forecast with sales of cars, houses, um, household goods, and are all consumer-driven. And he said the consumer spending in the UK is on pretty steady legs, but importantly, that if they need to, they can continue to support through QE. So that that was interesting that his comments were similar to that of the the U.S. Fed. Um, Yesterday, we we saw markets still rising. Um, There was some interesting job employment figures coming out of the U.S. where they saw 4.8 million increase, which was much better than expected. It beat forecast by 3 million. However, 2.7 of that was a revision on the previous month's figures. So that gave a good boost to the markets. 
Um, but it came back a little bit later in the day through increased concerns over the virus with the likes of McDonald's, Apple and Citigroup slowing down their reopening plans. Coming across into Europe, the German parliament accepted the ECB bond buying programme, which was again a positive. And in China, car and commercial vehicle sales figures came through showing that they, they are improving still. But crucially, that business confidence in China is at a, a, a three-year high. So what did that all mean for, for the portfolios in June? Well, again, they were up for the third straight month. Um, the balanced portfolio, which is, which is kind of right in the middle um, of our five, four, uh, sorry, our five portfolios showed uh, growth in the month of one and a half percent. But it means that across the quarter, Dan, there have been real positive returns. Balanced portfolio is up over 10 percent. Um, the higher equity weighting portfolios are 12 and 13 percent up, um, which we're, we're, we're pleased about. And it, it echoes the thoughts that we had in March where we're saying to investors, please, please don't read the, the news and panic. Stay invested, because if you had come out then, you would miss the returns that we've seen over the quarter. Um, leading to today, the FTSE's <coughs> opened, opened flat as we record this. We're awaiting re release of the PMI data, but we're seeing business activity. And you've got to take these figures in context. They're saying that the, the business activity in the UK has grown the most in a decade. Um, and again, Pfizer and BNTech, the German um, the pharmaceutical company, have got hopes for uh, vaccines. Uh, what's holding us back is the word that you mentioned before a little bit, which is Brexit. But again, the markets are sentiment driven and what we need is confidence and hopefully we'll see continued confidence continue um, over the next month and the second half of 2020. Thanks Mark and um, yeah Brexit it, it snuck back into the news the last week or two really hasn't it it was almost item number two or three on the on the headlines last night when I was watching the news um, so it's um, but obviously it, you know as, as I mentioned in the intro uh, gentlemen you know, this was the big event, which was which was going to be, you know, changing the UK landscape really this, this year. As we as we go back to last year, obviously the government got the majority they needed um, on on you know on the manifesto of get Brexit done. Um, and I know things such as such as COVID and things have obviously overtaken some of that at the moment. But um, I think certainly the intention is still to get Brexit done. Um, so, Peter, maybe if I hand across to you. Um, could, is it still a case of getting it done? Is, is, is that what's happening right now? I think it definitely is. And I think the government, if anything, will want to, they'll be delighted to get back talking about Brexit. Um, they've had a rotten, you know, three or four months with coronavirus and the handling of it and all that. So I think right now they'll just be delighted to get off that topic, frankly, and get back to something which they, you know, at least know that know very well, which is uh, Brexit. To how to deliver um, the Brexit that people vote. My advice to them, not that, you know, that might count for an awful lot, but would definitely be precisely that, which is, you know, spend the next month um, sorting out Brexit and getting a deal over, or, or putting the, you know, the basis of a deal in place. Um, frankly, anything to talk, anything to talk, not about coronavirus. Um, the, the significance of this week is that um, there hasn't been an awful lot of negotiation going on. I mean, little bits here and there, but of course, it's all been done since really March, 
just like we're talking now, it's all been done over things like Teams and Zoom and all that. And obviously you can't quite get the same level of interaction. Um, there was last month, so in June, um, Boris had a, a, a Zoom session. You might have seen the photographs of it um, with the EU. And that was when he said, if you remember the phrase he used a couple of weeks ago, he said, we're going to put some, some more tiger in the tank, a kind of <laughs> classic Boris phrase. Um, and this week has been the start of the tiger in the tank. So there's been an intensive face-to-face -face negotiation this week, as I say, the first face-to-face -face negotiation since um, coronavirus really hit. Um, that's concluded this week in, over, in the, over in Brussels. It continues next week in London. And obviously the, the hope is that by the end of this month, they've ironed out some of the areas of disagreement. But they, um, they, they seem to finish a day early, Peter, I was reading. With, yeah. with the, um, I think a lot of that, I, yeah, I mean, I noticed that and I thought, well, that's, I noticed that David Frost, <laughs> who negotiates for Britain, well, for the UK, has said that um, there's significant differences, I think was his, yeah, he said this, uh, this week has been um, comprehensive and useful, but underlined the significant differences. Mm -hmm. And Michel Barnier said, um, the e he said yesterday, the EU is engaged constructively, um, but wants to see the same level of engagement from the UK. So you're getting all that rhetoric, and I think probably ending a day early is is part of the, if you like, the the ramping up of the rhetoric and the slightly, you know, walking out a day early, heightening the pressure. I think it's probably all a bit of political game playing, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, all good fun. Um, <laughs> so you, you mentioned David Frost as well, who's maybe someone who we, who we don't really know. Mm. Um, but, but, any any clues on his background and things? Well, he um, is an interesting character because he's going to be uh, taking the role of um, national security advisor next month. So uh, this is the significance of that. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people might have missed it, but at the weekend that was announced that the current cabinet secretary, a guy called Sir Mark Sedwill, who's who has two jobs: cabinet secretary, but he's also national security advisor. He's leaving that job uh, next month, I think, in August, and he's going to be replaced as National Security Advisor by David Frost, who's doing the Brexit negotiations. So we're about to lose our Brexit negotiator. So if that doesn't put almost like a hard deadline against sorting this deal out, um, nothing. Well, of course, those things are movable, I suppose, and you could always extend it. But it's a clear intention there, isn't it, to have it wrapped up next month so he can take up his new job? Yeah. And uh, is that the reason? Is that why we think he's been given that post in a month's time, which is right. You've got a month to get it done. And that's it'll it. have, I, I think it'll have been a factor. Um, I mean, he's, he's certainly part of the, the Boris team and, and you know, um, part of the Brexit camp. So I, it won't be just to, just to do with that. But, um, you know, I'm sure that I, I don't suppose they missed the, the opportunity to let the EU know that they're negotiators off to a new job. So you better get this done. Yeah. And. David, if, if, if we move across to yourself, please, and just, just your own view on it, do you think some of what you know, Peter obviously mentioned that this is a, a great opportunity for the government to kind of move away maybe a bit from the egg on the face that they've got with, with the criticism they've had over COVID handling and, and things and get back to, frankly, probably what, what they were elected for? Um, do you think it's weakened their resolve, the, the way COVID's gone, the, the criticism of the handling, or do you think, if anything, it's strengthened the resolve to get it done? I agree with Peter. I think that they, they need something. I know it's not really what should happen, Daniel, but in the real world, it would appear to me, um, and politics really isn't the real world, but in the real world of politics, these little games that they play 
Uh, we have to remember that uh, they always want to get voted back in at any point in time. So uh, even though they've got four and a half years to prove themselves, um, uh, still nagging away is the, their need for popularity. It's just in their blood that they want to please the people. So all of this is quite important. It's just a couple of remarks here. Um, this is a different David Frost just for people um, what, looking in. He's, he's not that fellow that was on the Nixon. Uh, I think that was quite a good uh, 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 film about uh, David Frost. He was, a, he was a sharp operator, wasn't he? It's a bit, it reminds me a bit of, uh, you know, um, the uh, the spy that what wanted me that kind of uh, film is that, <laughs> that kind of Brit you know um, that you know is the most ugly bloke on earth going around with these dolly birds and all the rest of it and uh, talking to the next ugliest man on earth which was Nixon who um, didn't seem such a bad bloke but he was a bit sneaky I think. <laughs> Also, I, I thought that this fellow goes at his new job uh, in September, not next month. I don't know. I, I, so it, it gives him an extra month. But uh, having two jobs is no problem whatsoever. My uh, my window cleaner used to be <laughs> he used to be a fireman as well. So anybody can you can be, sorry you can't call him fireman. Firefighter, David. No, I don't even think he'd be a firefighter because I think fighter can be aggressive. Right. Okay. Well, a person that um, looks fire after personnel officer <laughs> looks after fires. <laughs> Although that could be so it works in a steam engine. You remember them? Um, but that, yeah. So you can have two jobs. There's people, as furlough will have discovered, <laughs> which will make getting them back to work. Some of them, not all of them, um, but uh, a lot harder uh, than, than before. Um, so it'd be, uh, they do need, um, uh, getting serious here, um, this is uh, very, very important indeed, I think that, uh, uh, just a little thing that people may have not linked Brexit with, um, but the, the, the situation in Hong Kong that we're seeing where, you know, you see, this is what you get, by the way, with socialism, so just remember that, you know. You give you give faceless people, nameless people, and anonymous people jobs, and it gets on and on and on and on before you know where you are. You're Chinese, and uh, you know, and always, you know, even the most anonymous, horrible man in the world can become the president of Russia or China or whatever, and you're in trouble then as a normal person. And the people in Hong Kong are in trouble. There's no doubt about that. that um, you know, always, always buy freehold, never buy leasehold. Once you, once you have to pay the lease back, all sorts of things <laughs> going on there. So the offer to take, you know, three million um, Hong Kong residents into Britain, I think it's brilliant. I, I don't know how many people will take it up. Um, by nature, of course, they're more likely to stay in Southeast Asia. Um, but once again, hardworking, highly skilled, people, um, you know, uh, just joking the other day, you know, on, on my other hobby horse at Freeport, that would be great things, wouldn't it, you know, have a Freeport northeast of England, invite a load of Hong Kong people to come in and 
work there, start businesses there, and there you go. You've got Hong Kong on Weir or Hong Kong on Tain or Hong Kong on Teesside or something like that, or just Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> you, 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 we could get our, our listeners um, to to write in or whatever. If you can, can you write in these days? Just some suggestions. I'm, I'm trying to think at the minute. I, I'm thinking like Hawaii Kong, but that's not really. <laughs> no. No, we've already got a company like that, Huawei, which is Huawei. Huawei. Yeah. Huawei. <laughs> and uh, and then on the side, of course, often the, the, the people they have every sentence has got E in it. So they've they've you know invented, innovated a whole lot of E things like E cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. So the E economy, all that. So we'd have a, a thriving e comedy in uh, Hong Kong on Wearside. <laughs> Wearside also, it, it, it's that beautiful river that goes through that gorgeous city of culture, Sunderland. The best one is e relegation. <laughs> I missed that one. E relegation. Oh, oh, you see, can't help yourself, you Geordies. <laughs> trouble in the world, right? So yes, the Brexit stuff uh, the, the, is quite interesting, but it, it's going back to the things we, we saw before, Daniel, which is you know posturizing and stuff like this. Well, let's let's talk maybe about the, the different bits of action and bring another couple of personalities in as well, because <clears throat> no no surprise really. You've got Nigel Farage criticising Johnson and, and saying get on with it. Um, You've got the government just saying, well, we're still happy to do a no deal if, if need be. But then on the other side, I think you've got someone like Sadiq Khan, for instance, asking for yet another Brexit extension and kind of kicking it down the down 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 the road, really. So I, I think it, it it goes back to I think maybe Mark one for you. What, you you mentioned the markets and you mentioned the sentiment and the, the circling a wee bit with Brexit. Have they priced in what could happen if there's a no deal? Do you think or have they? Christ in if, if there's an extension or anything? I think for, for us, Dan, what we've been doing through various managers is adding a little bit to European exposure, but by buying active managers rather than just passives across the, the, um, the board. And, you know, you can focus on the stronger economies in Europe there, which would be Sweden, Germany, Netherlands, France, etc., and avoiding the, the weaker southern states. Um, Europe's had a good run, it has to be said, over, over the quarter. You know, it's, it's up 15%, whereas the UK is up 9 And we're seeing our weightings in the portfolios adjusted uh, accordingly because of that. But we're, we'll just continue to let that ride. Now, when it comes to pricing um, of a, a potential yes or no, a hard or soft Brexit, you know, terminology that we haven't heard for months, one of the biggest things would be the currency devaluation and how that could affect the portfolios. And we thought back in June 2016 that this this could be bad. But in fact, as that day panned out, and you, you remember the three of us were in London that day, we mm -hmm. were looking at it and thinking, has this really happened? You know, you woke up to say the prime minister is about to resign because of the Brexit result. And I think, what Brexit result? Because yeah. the polls were all showing that it was going to... We were going to stay in. And then we looked at currencies and the pound had, had dropped. But the multi-asset the multi portfolios that we had because of the exposure to Europe and US had actually gone up in value. 
So are we pricing it in? I think that the currency will be um, will be very important. Um, you know, we're, we're at 111 now against the euro. It was 118 in, in January. It hit a low of 109. So it's been bouncing around a little bit there. Um, there's sectors, and the, the reason I highlighted active managers there is that we will choose those sectors in Europe that we want to be invested in. Turning it to the domestic economy, well, what would be the winners and losers? FTSE 100, again, if we see a currency devaluation, the, uh, the, 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 the majority of the, the exporters in there, shall we say, or the energy companies whose uh, product is priced in dollars, translate that across into sterling and you've got higher profitability, the FTSE 250 stocks would be at greater risk because they've got the focus on the domestic markets. So all in all, because of the multi-asset approach that we have within the portfolios, the managers aren't particularly at the moment had an eye on Brexit because of everything else which is going on. But they are looking at individual sectors and mm. taking more focused decisions rather than a broad brush approach. And talking about kind of... Um deals, no deals, trade agree agreements and things. Peter, do you think that um, there's still a fair chance we'll get the deals completed with the likes of the United States, with Australia and Canada and things? Um, <clears throat> it's a good question. Um, I don't honestly know. I think we, there's no reason why we shouldn't. And I think, again, Donald Trump sort of suffers from the same issues that we talked about with coronavirus and, you know, over there. So, um, I'd imagine they'll be really, really keen to do a deal as well. Um, I think we, we've got to is the answer. We've just got to get on with those deals and put them in place. I do, for what it's worth, think that we will end up with a deal with the EU. I, there is going to be no extension. Um, the deadline for that passed on Tuesday. I mean, I know all things can always be renegotiated, but there's no. Ch I would think there's almost no chance of an extension. I, I think Boris has staked his reputation on that, and 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 I. It would be almost like political career suicide to go and do that now. So I think I can't see an extension. I think we will get a deal with the EU. I think everyone, we had this debate all of last year. Will we get a withdrawal agreement through or not? And of course we did. You know, he got his majority, he got it through. Um, I think exactly the same thing happens. Of course, he goes into this negotiation with an 80 majority, which is a different sort of circumstance to how he went into the last one. But I've, I've got very little doubt that we will end up with some kind of deal with the EU before the end of the year. And it has to, and in practice, Again, these things can slip as we saw last year, but you, you sort of need, really need to have that in place by October, probably the end of October, to give to give Parliament a chance to vote on it here, um, and the EU to get it through as well with all their member states, which really just comes down to e uh, Germany and France if they agree, then the, it should be a formality. But yeah. I would think I would think we get it through. I think there'll be lots. Just going back to the point, I think it was um, uh, David made earlier about tough talk. I would expect in the next few weeks to see a lot more. Um, tough talk around EU trying to bully bully Britain and, and a bit of that kind of rhetoric as well, you know, trying to rally the troops, if you like, behind behind Boris um, and unite the country. Thanks, Peter. And, and D David, it, it, the same really, I think mean, we talked about the United States and it's obviously, you know, getting a deal done there. Um, obviously, it's, it's an election year for Trump. They're making an even bigger mess of dealing with COVID than any other government in the world right now as well. So um, do you share Peter's optimism for getting getting things done with them? Yes, I do. I, I think that um, a bit like 
in Britain or, or, or more so in, in, in the US, that you've got a huge government there with a huge amount of political appointees in, inside the, their governments. Um, but ultimately, the bottom of that, they have to they have to do deals. They have to be commercial. They look as though they're in a terrible mess. Uh, Daniel, I think he is. I mean, I mean, he is exactly what people, for me, think he is. You know, he's, he's a big fool. Um, and But the good news is, you know, it's sometimes people can fool you, you know, you think, he can be quite intelligent because looks can looks can deceive, but luckily he looks like a fool, and he is a fool, right? So people should know he's a fool. But uh, there's a lot of foolish people live in America. A lot of people live in America, and there's a lot of them foolish. A lot of foolish people live in UK, maybe not as many. Uh, I know, haven't had a house for many years, known a lot of Americans. Um, the uh, it can be quite. Um, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're, they're a funny breed. They're not, they're, they're not English people with an American accent. Um, so he has to do something. But the important thing here is to coolly and calmly, um, we just need to separate out what has been a disease and is a disease, uh, a worldwide pandemic, and cut out the rhetoric, cut out all of the stuff that journalists have had a field day, haven't they? I mean, this is perfect for Peston. You know, oh, Brexit's over. Great, there's a virus. Now I can invent even more words and uh, stuff like this. Like, you know, even better, I've been able to get a government which is weakened and weakened in, in mind as well to come on on a, on a daily basis. And I can, and it's just for me, it's just for me, Robert. You can imagine, but I couldn't believe they're going to run a, a daily conference. I've got all day to preen myself, get my hair just that, you know, get a big scarf on, like some bugger from London, you know, uh, <laughs> and do all, all that, you know, because you mentioned Sadiq Khan as well uh, earlier, which they kind of prickled as a wee bit. That's not Britain. See, the good news is that's not Britain. Unfortunately, that's what we see. That's not the UK. At all. Sadiq, you're not the UK. Right? And London, you're not the UK. That's why you got the shock with Brexit. If you took if you just float London into Europe, then it'd be ninety percent of people don't want to be part of Europe. They like to go there for the holidays, they like to buy houses there, you know, they like to learn a little bit of a language enough to be able to buy a meal without looking foolish. You can look even more foolish by trying to speak Spanish ordering a meal. But that's not Britain, and I always feel reassured at times with that. And also, you know, the the people who are not don't speak for Britain are, you know, you're, you're far far left, and and all of the other people who have been on, you know, leading riots and, and things like this, we've got no regard whatsoever for the for the safety of other people, for the safety of the police. You know, there is a virus there. You are spreading it, but you don't care because you want to pull a statue down. Very few people in that crowd wanted to do that. But they and we should be paying attention to those people who are doing this consistently. On the far, far left of everywhere, 
of some very, very sinister and nasty people knocking around, much more so than on the far right. We can at least say the far right, we know what they look like, you know. Um, but these other people would have you believe that they, you know, they really care and they don't really care. They really care for what it is they're trying to bring about. So, yeah, I can understand Khan come up with let's, let's remain. There is no sentiment in the country for that at all. People voted somebody in with the biggest majority in real terms ever, in real terms, because, you know, you just had the Liberals running around not knowing what they were going to represent, but let's just represent something that they think is popular, which is the problem with politicians. It didn't take them long before they drift away from ordinary voters and think that everybody looks like them and they've got to have one of these and one of them and one of these and one of them and so on. And it's just not natural. I think this is the point. It's not commercial for me. I'm a businessman, obviously, and I choose and you do, and you do, Peter, and you do. You choose the best possible people for the job. Mm -hmm. True potential. Do not, and never ever, take in any kind of, you know, are you this, or are you that, or, or whatever. I'm not interested. I'm interested in, can you do the job? Can you do the job? Mark's interested in, do those investments make money for our, the people that put their money with us? If they want to vote on, I'd like to have, you know, a trawler with all sorts of things in it, floating around doing things, and fine, go and buy one. But if you buy in our funds, our job is to produce, you know, better than average returns for less than average costs. That's our job. Yeah. You know, my, my job is to run a, it's to chair a company. Sorry, you said run, sorry, Dan. Um, <laughs> I've got some jobs again. I'm going to go and I'm going to, some, I'm going to clean the windows and put a fire out. Uh, I might do something else as well. I don't know. Maybe I should grow some turnips. That was the thing, wasn't it? Grow your own food. <laughs> At the beginning, let's grow our own food. Get some seeds quick. You saw people going out. You couldn't, buy, seeds. You couldn't buy seeds, David, sold out. You, you, you yeah. can't again now, but you have all, all garden sale stuff at the beginning of lockdown sold out. So. <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks. Right, let's go and get it. And you get three months of cabbage in yeah. one day. <laughs> well, we, we used to have it, didn't we? In, in, in Spain, it was courgette. Oh. And just like, hundreds of courgettes, like these big things, you know, you're like, I'm sick. I don't really like courgettes, but I'm sick of them now. Oh, slimy <laughs> things are horrible. Because <laughs> uh, they, they grow. Aye. Senor, would you like a courgette or whatever it is, Spanish for courgette? Uh, no, just one. <laughs> can we just have something we can eat? You know, can you help us? <laughs> I nearly got blown up trying to turn the bloody <laughs> the, the grill on. You know, it's like, what's French for this isn't working, this grill thing? What's Spanish for that? I don't know. I was going to say I wouldn't. I wouldn't speak French in Spain. It would probably not work. <laughs> it would annoy them, wouldn't it? Um, that's a strange thing. I was useless at French at school. Um, I, 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 I'm Latin. You know, two years of Latin and umpteen years of ooh la la French. Um, and uh, French is a snob's thing, isn't it? It's like, People who go to nice schools learn to speak French and they go in French 
holidays and they go skiing and they stay, stay somewhere, somewhere in a French person's house. And then, they, then they, they get, can you speak French? You know, no, you know, we, we, no. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, but what would happen if I was struggling with my Spanish at times, every now and then from nowhere, a French word would come out, you know, and the strange thing about Spanish, they can't speak French either. No. <laughs> In fact, having traveled the world, I can safely say nobody speaks French apart from French people. So take that. Take that. <laughs> Michelle. I love I love the I like I like everybody, but I mean I I, I uh, struggle speaking French. Um, and I, I struggle why people think French are good at cooking or wine. I think French wine just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's necessarily good. Here's a little tip for you, right? If you're charging somebody 30 to 35% or whatever sur surcharge on New Zealand wine, <clears throat> then obviously, you know, you're trying to price them out. So the French wine could be the same price as that. It's just that they've nicked that, they've nicked that surplus. They've just put that surcharge into their gross thing. <laughs> You'll, you'll see French wine come down in price, but you'll see French and Chilean, uh, sorry, Chilean and New Zealand and Australian and American wine and food and everything else come down dramatically in price next year, dramatically. Even under World Trade Organization rules, it'll still be down. So there was a serious question somewhere at the beginning of that. Uh, <laughs> evaded, I'm trying to read my bloody notes here. So no. I can, <laughs> Um, it's strange though, isn't it, uh, everybody? We've not talked about this whole thing for ages and it's amazing how much you kind of forget when you're trying yeah. to bone on it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I found that day when we were preparing for this, you know, just having to... Oh, you're read. prepared? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a piece of paper. So it's <laughs> I, I used to sit next to people like you in exams, Daniel, and I'd give you a bollock and if you hadn't prepared, because both of us would not pass the exam. <laughs> I used to joke, I'd be like that with the exam though, leaning over so you couldn't see. Like Neil Johnson. Like Neil. <laughs> he does it all the time. It just yeah, he still habit. does it. Still yeah, does it. Hides a spreadsheet from us. <laughs> it is interesting though what you said about it. You know, we haven't thought about it for a while. When I was going through what what's happened this week on Tuesday. You know, the, the German t Germany taking over the presidency. We didn't think, well, that's it. That's the day that, that we should have had had this sorted out, and we haven't. So yeah. it, it, it's it's not in anybody's minds, and it will only be through the press, really, and the reports that it comes back in focus. Um, to, to, to stay on the, the, the presidency bit, Mark, uh, with, with, with the Germans, you, you mentioned, you know, in your, in your update at the beginning that it's... it's um, it seemed to get priced in quite nicely with the markets. And um, I, I suppose with the presidency, with Brexit and happening and things, you, you probably want the economic brains of, of the Germans being in charge at the moment. You'd want a stronger partner in there, certainly, Dan. And, you know, uh, you said before in the podcast, if, if it's agreed by Germany and France, it's likely to be carried through by the rest of Europe. Now, I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of things seem to have come together to, to mark the start of the, the six-month presidency. You know, the, 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 there has been this constitutional um, 
concern in Germany about them backing the, the EU finance plans. That's gone out of the way. You're getting good figures coming through on, on the German economy. Um, so I think that, that if you had to choose any nation to have the presidency over this period of time, any European nation, uh, I would settle for the Germanys. And mm. Angela Merkel appears to have got the, uh, other political um, partners on board as well, you know, through the Liberals and the Greens, they're backing what she's doing as well. So a unified Germany, you know, terminology again from the past, we seem to have a unified Germany, which is leading through into a, a more unified Europe. Yeah. And you could argue that the, on, the, on the outside, that Europe looks to be more cohesive than the UK at the minute. Mm. Um, Peter, would you would you would you say it's, it's fair to say that there's probably less spite coming from the Germans in terms of Brexit than some of the other European countries? Well, the German and the French have always got this good cop bad cop thing with Brexit. So Macron likes to wander around waving big sticks in our direction and threatening this, that, and the other. And, and Angela Merkel, I think, is more the the grown up wiser head. And I think they, which is, of course, I'm sure the. That's exactly the game they play with us, trying to be a bit of good cop, bad cop. Don't forget, she's got, I think I'm right in saying, um, I think Angela Merkel steps down next year, um, uh, you know, as, as Chancellor. Um, Trump's got his election at the end of this year. Boris has got a bit of recovery to do. So there's various political things going on across both sides of the Atlantic and in Europe um, that probably mean, as we've gone back to the earlier conversation, um, why why deals why they'll just want to get deals done. Angela Merkel's not going to want to go out, you know, probably having not negotiated the deal. But um, but no, I think I, I think she, I think as as Mark said, if you can get those two countries, you know, on board with you, there, and I think we will. By the way, um, the rest the rest fall in line. Yeah, no, I think I think the legacy is an important point, and I think it kind of brings us full circle. For <clears throat> obviously, this was going to be Johnson's big legacy as well, wasn't it, in terms of getting it done and. Um, yeah, people like Merkel and everything, I, I suppose, want it out of the way. So it's, they're not remembered as the, the chancellor who left, you know, if, if, yeah. if things not 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 finished off. Because don't uh, forget, a, you know, a, a no deal, you know, if, if we just went to WTO, that, that's not great news for, for Germany. You know, they need uh, a lot of business from us as well. So I, I'm quite sure we'll, we'll get something. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Um, David, we'll, we'll, we'll look to wrap things up. But before we do, any, any final thoughts? No, I just uh, I noticed the other day that uh, it's strange how different um, companies come and go, Daniel. And I think they've been uh, in amongst all of the the smoke, if you like, the, the 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 confusion of the COVID situation, where you've had an uh, you know we're beginning to get some other news coming through. Um, uh, but you, you, I I just noticed the other day that Tesla, which were as a, as, a, as a company went around 15 years ago, um, you know, now second largest, they, they've overtook Toyota in terms of market market cap. I know that's just only one measure, but mm. it's a sign that people think I'll buy their shares versus Toyota's because I think they've got a better future. Um, and it's a sort of battery power, which we, we picked up when we were, you recall, when we were in Shanghai at the beginning of the year, we saw how many BMW um, cars were there, which were uh, electric cars, and there seemed to be more BMWs. I know it's just a, a straw pool, if you like, just eyesight, really, but um, more seemed to be more BMWs. Get, getting back to point, the point made by Peter that 
you know, they, 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 that's a powerhouse. Germany is a big deal. And if we get on side with them, who cares about the French really? French is mm. the same, same economy as us, same size economy as us, um, you know, um, similar population. Germany, bigger population, bigger economy. Um, uh, and for us, have it to shine uh, in the world, which of course we can and will. Um, we must resist the uh, the people who themselves are lacking ambition. You know, you can you can see people who you know strive to be, you know, modest. I think yeah. Churchill's saying, isn't he? Uh, about a certain person, he's a very modest man with a lot to be modest about. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, uh, you, you know, people are ambitious. Germany's ambitious. Yeah. You know, China's ambitious. But when we were in Hong Kong, it was mostly Tesla cars that you see in there zooming past without any noise. So, you know, it just shows how some companies can come and storm ahead very, very quickly with the right leadership and the right ambition. And some countries can do exactly the same. So Boris, you know, he, he has his critics, but he is at heart an optimist. I think he, you know, he foolishly caught the virus. The, the point is, he is actually our prime minister. When Theresa was our prime minister, she's the prime minister. We have to back people when they're in that job. Yeah. British people have to get, if we constantly poke around and, and, and try and, you know, uh, that's the job of the opposition. Um, you know, I think people have seen that Keir Starmer, at least, and in comparison to, to Corbyn, of course, this man looks a superstar. Mm. But in, the, in comparison to normal people, he doesn't look a superstar. He just looks like, I don't know, a dull, a dull lawyer, really, you know, who just kept his head down and just worked away and got himself a knighthood. And now he's doing what any decent person would do is get rid of the... Uh, people who are quite poisonous and quite nasty in his party and leaving a decent bunch of people there and that's what the Tories need to worry about if you get yeah. a decent opposition um they've got problems but they don't have problems for a while and I, i'm sure like peter's got the political brain and background here but boris has got a big majority you can bet your bottom dollar that's what he's waving in the face of Barnier right now to say, listen, I'm not bothered, right? I'm not bothered. I've been told that I'm the boss, right? So either play the game with us or we're out. And yes, we'll suffer, but not as much as you. And I think that's true because we'll get trade deals elsewhere. That's the point. We can deal with the rest of the world and it will be sticky. And I think, you know, that's the point about politicians telling the whole truth. I think most British public, the, the real British public, can take a hard dose of the real truth from time to time, which is whenever you change anything, whenever you make a change, a disruption, there's a problem that's disruptive, there's this things don't work straight away, not. but if it's changed for the right reasons, you come back stronger. Some companies will come back from the COVID situation much stronger, which is the thing we have to remember is still there. It, there definitely will be a surge. There must be, there's bound to be, unless the weather has something to do with it. But there must be a surge in it because lots of people have just disregarded it. 
Um, and we're going to have to live with it, which is where the, the other priority for me is they do need to find a track and trace solution. They do need an app. You should just go to Google or Apple. I sound as though I'm a note or somebody shut up, but um, I, I, I kind of feel as though I should say it because I did say it in February and I mm. said it in March. The chances of any any government department coming up with an app, nil. Not just the fact that the, 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 the programmers aren't any good, they're probably as good as anybody. It's just that little voices coming in, why don't you have one of that? Why don't you have this? <laughs> no, David, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I've obviously helped run the technology team at TP, and <clears throat> yeah. you've got to be very hard, hard-nosed with it, and it has to be one decision-maker with it. You know, you can't, you can't design anything quickly or accurately by committee. Because, oh. you know, b before you know it, you start off with a very simple plan. You have a committee, everybody chips in. I'll have a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this. And you just end up with an unwieldy mess at the end of it. So technology development, you've got to be hard-nosed with it. You've got to be focused. And you've got, to, you've got to let your developers do what they do best, which is execute the plan and yeah. don't meddle with them. Um, so, so yeah. Innovate. I mean, you, you, the, the innovation doesn't come from them. They, they program. Correct. So, but it, it, you, you're right, you set out a modest a thing that you can deliver quickly, which yeah. is what happened in South Korea and other places. It doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't even matter if it's only 10% accurate. That's 10% better than you were before. Correct. Right? Yeah. That would be using practical business logic. Well, in, that, that's, that's the thing. There's no such thing as a perfect bit of tech out there. No. You know, there's nothing out there as, as perfect technology. But that's you, you, you use that as a as a you know a handicap, or you can use it as an opportunity to get better. And certainly, again, using the true potential saving, we use it as an opportunity to get better. You know, we'd, oh. we'd always rather release a bit of tech, which is you know good and can get better, rather than wait to build the perfect thing, because yeah. the perfect perfect thing doesn't exist. And it's the same with track and trace, as you're right. Rightly say, David, ten percent is better than no zero percent. We also, it's just worth saying to anybody who can, can be bothered listening to this, right? We ban from the room when we're doing this. We ban bureaucrats. We ban the back room. But we've got those people. We've got them in compliance. We've got them everywhere, right? You need people who are monitor evaluators and things like this. But if you introduce them too early, they'll kill you. Yeah. Because they can think of the reason why it won't work before you can even work out how it's going to work. They've got an amazing ability to kill everything, and governments follow those people because that's how they've got. That's how they've got on in the civil service. They've never ever risked anything. They've never taken a risk. You wouldn't, would you? Because you couldn't claim that greasy pole or whatever thing you're going to use. I'm not saying any of the, the people in. I, I think British civil service is probably the best in the world, but that doesn't mean that when you're in government, you get the best of those brains. You, you don't. And, and the same with the NHS. NHS is many layers of people inside a huge organisation. If you, what, what really should be done, even at the late stage now, is work out what's happened in Germany, which is decentralisation. It's, you know, that's it before we get much farther into the, what will be, honestly, a second wave. It can't, you can't help it. Um, you know, you just can't help it. Not just in one or two cities, but throughout, there's going to be more. And this could be here for a while, a long, long time, that people will be catching it and, and so on. And we'll have to adapt and work out 
what we do when somebody at work, for example, gets it, you know, mm-hmm. and stop seeing silly little things like bubbles and how can you have a bubble that's got 250 people in it? Yeah. I don't know. It would be a dome, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be a bubble. Big bubble. <clears throat> Big old bubble. So, uh, Peter, uh, anything final from yourself? I'm just quite looking forward to... Actually, what I'm looking forward to, Daniel, is um, I'm going to be queuing up tomorrow to get my hair cut. I'm going to go around every single barber I can find in Newcastle and just queue outside of it. I don't care. That's the thing I'm looking for. Never mind the pub going for a pint where you've got to give the bar person your name and address. I'm going around the barbers tomorrow. I'm determined. Well, what we'll do is we'll, 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 we're probably going to do next week's podcast and we're going to talk about pubs and hairdressers and things like that. So we may get you back on next Friday, Peter, to see if you look different, look, look well-groomed. Um, I, I, I think you should have a competition, Peter and, and Dan and Mark, as to how many people will be called Mickey Mouse. Well, that's one mm-hmm. for next Friday, David. So I'm going to stop you. I'm going to keep your powder dry. Ah, for, right. For next week's excitement. Um, Mark? Like Peter done, I've got a haircut booked for next week. So, um, well, P- Peter doesn't have a haircut booked. Peter's one of the streets looking for a haircut. You see, Dan, I've got one booked. So I'm one step ahead of Peter there. Um, I did have a haircut during lockdown. Bev did it, but she... It was a bit worrying because halfway through there were signs that she was getting a bit too confident, and at that point I started to worry a lot. Well, um, you, you can see what's happened because she seems to cut your ears. You've got like bandages on your ears from. She's cut, just, she's cut, cut his earphone cables, David. That's, that's <laughs> right. The clippers went through. Just, uh, <laughs> I think next next week, Dan, it will be reinforcing the great British tradition of queuing. You know, the favourite pastime. And opening up uh, uh, foreign holidays as well, you know, you've got the old fly drive coming back, which is to Portugal. So everybody flies to Spain, <laughs> drives to Portugal, and then comes back. No, who knows? Fly, eh? fly drive. Oh, exciting times and more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, let, let, let's finish it up there, gentlemen, before it drifts away into silliness. Um, not like us, of course. But um, but um, th- thank, thank you for the update about Brexit. It's good to know it's still there, it's still happening. And, and hopefully everybody in the audience has enjoyed this as well in terms of a, an update and a reminder that life does move on and, and things are still happening there in the background. So... Um, we'll see you all next week. As I say, we'll, we'll talk a bit about lockdown easing and events over this weekend. We'll, we'll see what's happened. Good luck, Peter, getting the haircut. Good luck, Mark, getting your fly drive holiday booked. And good luck, David, with Mickey Mouse and friends. That's right. We'll Anonymous. That. Anonymous is another one. Yeah, <laughs> 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 hey, Mouse. Thanks, gentlemen. Speak later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.